Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Joining me today for this Loveland Cookbook Group episode of the Loveland Libcast is Ashley Reger, R&D Culinary Coordinator for Snooze Restaurants and Freelance Writer for Westward. Ashley, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here again. Great to see you again. And today we're going to be talking about the May Loveland Cookbook Group title, which is Half-Baked Harvest Every Day, Recipes for Balanced, Flexible, Feel-Good Meals, a cookbook by Tegan Gerard. Before we get into that, we wanted to talk about the evolution of the Loveland Cookbook Group real quick and how we are going to have the cookbook group work going forward is we are still going to have new titles each month. We are still going to have new podcasts each month and there will still be the recipe kits. We're going to have those come out the second Thursday of the month. So it's still new title for people to look forward to and a podcast where Ashley and I talk about that. And sometimes we'll have a special guest, like some of the awesome ones that you found for us, Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) And the difference is that we are no longer going to have a Zoom meeting, but we are going to start having a potluck and cookbook group meeting in person. So we are going to do three or four cookbooks. So three or four months of new titles, podcast episodes and kits going out. And then we will get to meet in person. Ashley will be there to talk Mm -hmm. to everyone about the previous cookbooks. So those three or four titles that we've had. I like the language that you used, Ashley. You said it's like a season. So (laughs) it's kind of a, a cookbook title season and then it ends with a potluck and conversation. Yeah, I'm so excited about this new evolution of our cookbook group. I think from the very first Zoom meeting, everyone on the call was like, oh my gosh, it would be so cool if we could be together and be eating this stuff together. So I think that this will be a really exciting transition because while it's fun to talk about food, it's way better to talk about food and also eat food. Um, So I'm really excited to see everyone this summer. Yes. Our next couple of cookbooks. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun as well. And I, I do remember that too. The feedback was almost instant of people just saying, all right, when are we going to eat something? When are we going (laughs) to share these dishes? So the next potluck is going to be, or the the next and first potluck, I should say, for the Loveland Cookbook Group is going to be on July 23rd. So that's a Saturday and it's going to be from noon until 2 p.m. So these three cookbooks starting with this month, so starting with Half-Baked Harvest every day, and then The June title will be Jubilee by Tony Tipton Martin. And the July title will be America's Test Kitchen, How to Cocktail. 
Hopefully amongst those three cookbooks, people will find recipes that they want to try and things, maybe that's enough time to experiment a little bit and <laughs> perfect something or just try something different. Obviously, or hopefully this is obvious, if you choose to bring in something from America's Test Kitchen, how to cocktail, no alcohol. <laughs> so make it a alcohol-free drink. There's plenty of stuff in there that you can substitute or, or leave the alcohol out. Hopefully from these three titles, people will, will find something that they want to bring in and share with their other Loveland cooks and get to talk to Ashley in person. And with three titles also, there will be plenty to talk about and discuss stuff that maybe you fell in love with trying, things that you didn't get to try yet, and also recipes that maybe you saw and then someone makes it and brings it in and mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to see how delicious it is. Or maybe two people make the same thing, but they put their own little spins on it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of opportunities for this to be a fun kind of community event. And hopefully people enjoy that, that reason to gather and cook and talk about cooking. And then we'll just keep it going where after July, there'll be a new season of cookbooks. So three or four months of cookbooks. And then we're looking at meeting again in October. So we'll just kind of keep having these titles come out each month that we spotlight. And then those recipe kits each month, podcast episodes, and then those kind of culminate after three or four months to meeting. So mm -hmm. that's the plan. I'm excited about it. I will be there on July 23rd as well. And yeah, looking forward to that first meeting. Me too. I'm excited about the Jubilee uh, cookbook, which we'll obviously talk about more next month. But the subtitle for that cookbook is Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking. So it's very much Black American focused cookbook. And I was paging through it the other day and it's so packed full of history and historical references to, you know, generations of, of Black cooks in America. So that'll be a really great way to celebrate June and Juneteenth and a little bit of summer cooking for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a perfect selection for, for June. And we might as well go ahead and preview July as well. We've chosen America's Test Kitchen, How to Cocktail. Have you been able to browse that a little bit? or? Yeah, I actually funny story. I interned at America's Test Kitchen a couple of years ago. And when I was there, they were working on finishing up this cookbook. So oh, I got wow. to see the recipes <laughs> at America's Test Kitchen. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever to see them working on, you know, frozen margaritas. And they did a lot of home infused bitters and homemade vermouths. And if you're a cocktail buff or if you like to create really cool cocktails at home, this is like absolutely the expert's guide. But it's really accessible, obviously, just like every other American Test Kitchen cookbook. It's really accessible for people regardless of their skill level. And they always have a blurb at the beginning of the recipe, like, why does this recipe work? Let us tell you the background on it. So this is a really cool book. And like we mentioned, we won't be enjoying the cocktails together at our potluck. <laughs> but there are many punches and mocktails. And there's even infused syrups where you can you know, play with that 
in both alcoholic and non-alcoholic platform. Since we'll be focusing on that in July, folks can certainly try some of those real cocktails at home if they'd like, and then try one of the the non-alcoholic ones to bring in. But I think this is the beauty of it is it allows people to kind of use the month as a little lab to try these cooking experimentations. And then Mm -hmm. uh, we'll celebrate a few months later with with a potluck. Again, we are going to be talking about half-baked harvest every day on this episode. But then you can look forward to June and July, the June title being Jubilee Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking by Tony Tipton Martin. And in July, we'll be talking about America's Test Kitchen, How to Cocktail. So hopefully that all makes sense to everyone. You'll still get cookbook content each month. You can look forward to those new cookbook kits that will have new recipes and those will come from the titles each month and then those potlucks three or four months later, the next one being on July 23rd from noon to 2 p.m. And that is a Saturday. But yeah, I think this will be a fun evolution of things and allow people to to gather and share food, which was the first thing that people wanted to <laughs> to do when when we started this. So let's just get right into it. For the month of May, we have chosen, as I said before, half-baked harvest every day, recipes for balanced, flexible, feel-good meals, a cookbook by Tegan Gerard. And Ashley, if you wouldn't mind, why did we choose this title for this month? And is there anything that you think people should know about the author or any of the recipes inside? Yeah. So this also came from one of our first meetings with our cookbook group over Zoom. We were just talking about cookbooks we really liked, blogs we really liked, and a lot of people on the call really loved Half-Baked Harvest. So she originally started out as a blog. She still blogs. She's a blogger. And she, I think she gained such a popularity over the pandemic when people, especially at the beginning, when people were mostly inside, mostly at home and expanding their cooking. So people really flocked to Half-Baked Harvest because she's so accessible. Something that you'll find all over her website and in her bios, she comes from a really big family. So her cooking really reflects that. It's approachable. She does a lot of weeknight meals and she just has really, really beautiful, colorful, vegetable-filled, healthful meals available on her website and in her cookbook. I believe this is her third cookbook. My dear second. She's just one of those really young bloggers who have entered the food world really through kind of a side door. She entered through social media and the internet and really those modern ways to get into this. So looking through her book, it's really exciting because she has a lot of new American dishes. She also has a lot of really globally influenced flavors on her website and in her book. Something that I do want to acknowledge here is that she has a lot of recipes that are influenced by global flavors, which is partly what makes her such a popular and well-liked creator. But that being said, she has also received some criticism in the past around her use of certain cultural dishes like Vietnamese pho without necessarily acknowledging the historic significance of these dishes. So it's a wonderful thing to be able to be inspired by cultural flavors and ingredients in our American kitchen. But it's also important that we show appreciation and acknowledgement to those very, very old and culturally important 
flavors and dishes. So when you come to Half Baked Harvest, you can come to it with a knowledge of she's bringing an American Midwestern lens to these dishes. But if you're looking for authentic flavors, it's really important to seek out creators that are either from that background, so a Black, Indigenous, and people of color, or Asian and Pacific Americans, it's really important to make sure you're, you know, appreciating where a dish is coming from. So again, she's received some criticism regarding her language around these dishes, regarding her maybe depth of research around some of these things. So it's wonderful that we can cook out of her book and appreciate the recipes that she brings and appreciate that they're delicious and beautiful. But we can also appreciate that there are some other dishes that those stem from. But that aside, our meal kit for this month are the blueberry lemon poppy seed muffins. And those are a really easy dish. I actually have them cooling in my kitchen right now before I ice them. They are obviously they're filled with poppy seeds. Something that I thought was really cool about this recipe was that it not only includes fresh or frozen blueberries like your typical blueberry muffin. She also adds a blueberry jam to make the blueberry flavor just even more powerful and spread out through the muffins. So my muffins turned out a little bit more purple than hers did. But if you're careful about like swirling the jam into the muffin, they turn out really, really beautiful and marbled, just like a marbled, you know, cheesecake or what have you. So that's our meal kit for this month. Make sure you get your kit from the library if you get the chance. Those will be out on the 12th. So that's the second Thursday of this month. This episode may also be debuting that day, but it may also be debuting on the 13th. So <laughs> just just so you all know, we're going to be shooting for the second Thursday of the month. Podcast may either be published that day or a little bit after. But if you want to get those kits, they're very popular. Ashley picks some awesome <laughs> recipes and we're going to be shooting for the second Thursday of the month to have those out. And I always kind of retype those recipes up. So looking at those muffins, I was like, oh, this sounds really good. And that glaze sounds really good. And there's, it mentions a, I wanted to ask you about this. It mentions a particular type of lemon. Yeah. So she has a note on her recipe. If you can get your hands on Meyer lemons, I recommend using them is what she says. Meyer lemons, like she mentioned in the note, they tend to be a little bit less acidic than our our normal lemons that we get in the grocery store, the normal or small or jumbo lemons that you see in your King Supers or Safeway. Meyer lemons are a little bit sweet and they're less acidic, like I said. So I think of them kind of as a sister to a key lime. So key lime is the same way, but for limes. It's a little bit sweeter, it's less acidic, which makes it really, really good for dessert. Meyer lemon is the same way. Thank you. But you can use either. Yeah. <laughs> but you can use either Meyer lemon or normal lemon in your recipe. Yeah. I'm guessing you could kind of control, like if you wanted it to maybe be a little more tart, if you like that flavor, you want it to be a little sweeter than, then you kind of choose your lemon <laughs> accordingly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I use regular lemons in mine, but Meyer lemons would be equally delicious. And with leftover Meyer lemons, you can make some really great, simple lemonade and really impress people when they come over. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Other than our meal kits, some other recipes that I'm excited about from this book are the cheddar ranch stack crackers. 
Theirs looks so good. And my like Midwestern heart who loves ranch so much. <laughs> Actually, I'm drinking out of a cup that says, there's a chance that there's ranch in this cup. <laughs> Ironically. Um, <laughs> so these cheddar ranch snack crackers are really speaking my language. And then a couple of days ago, actually for dinner, I made the pizza pasta with pepperoni breadcrumbs which was a really good recipe. I picked up like some pepperoni from the grocery store. I used panko breadcrumbs that I had in my pantry. And the recipe itself is really simple. You make a tomato sauce, a really quick tomato sauce, whatever pasta you have or whatever pasta you like. And then on top of that, you put these breadcrumbs that you have toasted in olive oil, I think with some garlic and, or not even the garlic. It's really just... The toasted breadcrumbs that are toasted with pepperoni in the same pan. So you kind of heat up the pepperoni, toast and cook the pepperoni a little bit. And then the breadcrumbs get nice and crunchy and flavored with some Italian seasoning that you add as well. So that's something that I think I'll use going forward if I ever need a quick dinner. It'd be so easy to just get a jarred tomato sauce, whichever one you really love, make some pasta and then throw together the pepperoni breadcrumb and then you have spaghetti but way better <laughs> that does sound really tasty and it, it is cool to find something in a cookbook where you're just like it's not necessarily like you have to you're making a special meal but you can just throw it into your routine or things you already like to make this is a thing i can easily include that really you know <laughs> spaghetti but better <laughs> right it's like five minutes more and you get something a little bit more instagram worthy or like if somebody's coming over for dinner and you don't have time like it's something that you can have in your pantry and throw together really really quickly yeah and then she also this whole book is honestly absolutely full of again really beautiful her her photography style is just so modern and fresh looking she has a spicy pretzel chicken fingers with hot honey that look really delicious she has some taco recipes in here lemon harissa chicken she has veggies a whole vegetarian section for those of us who are plant-based so it's a really well curated cookbook for a very wide audience and it sounds like especially something like those snack crackers would probably be a big hit at the potluck because mm-hmm. <laughs> can't go wrong with snacks. So. Right. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Well, thank you for that rundown, Ashley. I know we've got copies of this. They may be checked out now, but I know that they're in the collection. And I have also seen that there's other half-baked harvest books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't remember if there's there's one or two other ones, but the half-baked harvest every day, that's the one that we've been discussing and that uh, Ashley was talking about recipes from. And we also wanted to introduce something to these podcasts where we would love to hear from you all. If you're listening to this and you have questions about cooking or baking preparing things, recipes, Ashley has (laughs) generously offered to answer those. So if you would like me to ask Ashley a question on the podcast, I am happy to do that. And you can email me that question at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. It's the same email that I read out at the end of each episode. And my name, D-A-N-I-E-L dot 
T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. And you can just say, hey, Daniel, this is a question for Ashley for the podcast. And I will pass that along to her and she can give you an answer. And fortunately, Ashley reached out (laughs) on Instagram to (laughs) get some questions. So we have some for this episode. And I will turn it over to you, Ashley, to answer some of those questions. Yeah, perfect. I don't know how much of an expert I am, but I can definitely look up the answer with a knowledgeable <laughs> eye and maybe discern, <laughs> disseminate the information for you. So when I reached out on Instagram, I had a couple of people message me back. I thought this was a really great question from my friend Fallon. She lives in New Hampshire, so not a Colorado local, but um, we, we love her just the same. Um, <laughs> the podcast reach is very wide. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Her question was how to tell if meat is done without a thermometer. So I have some good news and I have some maybe not so good news for this. There are ways and very reliable ways once you're experienced to tell how done meat is without having a thermometer. But this, it, it takes practice, I would say. We want to make sure that we're serving and eating safe food, that our meat is cooked all the way or, you know, cooked to the temperature it should be. And something like chicken, you'll often find advice to take chicken off or it's done when the juices run clear. So you can, you can poke it with a knife, the juice runs clear, and then it's done. So sometimes this can be deceiving. Juice can run clear when it's not done. It can also run pink when it is done. Something like a steak, you can also press on and you'll feel the firmness. But again, you don't know what that firmness means unless you've had experience. So unfortunately, actually my advice here is to get a thermometer. So you can get really nice probe thermometers. You can look on Amazon, a really great thermometer company if you want to invest in something that's going to last you a long time. It's called Thermoworks and they supply restaurants with thermometers. They do home cook thermometers. They do barbecue, pit master thermometers. They really do it all. But again, you don't have to go all out. You can get a $10 thermometer from your local store and really get involved with your food. It's okay to touch your food. It's okay that, you know, make sure your hands are clean, but then it's okay to touch it. You know, you can use your probe thermometer A lot of the thermometers will come with guides on them. You know, chicken needs to be cooked to 160. A medium rare beef is like 130, 135. So you can use that thermometer, check your temperature, and then feel it. Like actually press on the chicken, actually press on your steak or your pork or what have you. And then you'll gain that knowledge. You'll gain that, that muscle memory of like, this is what a firm chicken breast feels like when it's done. And eventually you'll be able to do that with a thermometer. Something to keep in mind is that we have carryover cooking. So maybe this is a whole nother um, (laughs) question, but (laughs) carryover cooking will happen, especially with larger cuts of meat. Larger cut of meat it is, the more it will carryover cook. So what carryover cooking is, is when you bring something off of the cooking source, it could be in the oven, it could be on the grill, it could be in your skillet it will continue to rise in temperature. So I'm a rebel. When I make chicken, I usually take it off at 150 if it's a whole chicken or 155 because I know it's going to continue to carry over cook. And it will, you can actually leave your thermometer in after you've taken it out and you can see the temperature rise. And 
you can know that even though I took it out when it was not necessarily a safe temperature, it will continue to rise. And then I will have a perfectly cooked chicken rather than having a chicken that was cooked 20 degrees over because I cooked it perfectly in the oven. So that's my advice. The short of it is that you should buy a thermometer and then use that to hone your skills as far as what meat feels like. And something like a steak, you can actually learn. Uh, there's a trick. I'm not sure what this trick is called, but if you put your index finger on your thumb and you feel the like fatty part of your hand where your thumb meets your palm and you just put it together very gently, you have rare, you do your next finger, you have medium rare, your next finger is medium well, and your pinky finger pressed to your thumb as you're pressing that fatty part of your, your hand at the palm is a well-done steak. And so you can kind of hone like, this is what it feels like. And you can compare. Sometimes I do that when I'm cooking steak. I'm like, okay, wait, what does a medium rare steak like? feel like? And then I'll feel my hand and I'm like, oh yeah, it feels the same. So I'll take it off. Anyway. That does kind of make sense though, where it, the reason there are meat thermometers is that there isn't really a better, better method. Mm. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> be nice if there it's was a trick, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about just honing that experience and and taking the time to to learn. Our second question was about vegan egg replacements in baking. So what I really love to do is if I'm baking and I need to avoid eggs, or maybe I'm out of eggs. I use this a lot if I'm just out of eggs and I don't want to go to the grocery store. If you have applesauce or pumpkin puree or any kind of fruit puree, those are awesome egg replacements in things like cupcakes or quick breads, anything in the quick bread kind of sector of foods. So quick breads include banana breads, zucchini breads, pumpkin breads. So if you're making something with those ingredients in it already. So say you're making a pumpkin bread or a banana bread, you can increase the quantity per egg. You'll increase the quantity of your fruit puree by a quarter cup. Uh, the volume of an egg is on average about a quarter of a cup. So those are really great replacements. You can use, again, like I said, applesauce is a really good go-to, easy to keep in your refrigerator, but you can use other fruit or veggie purees if pumpkin is a veggie puree. If you are going to use those as substitutes, you just have to be aware that you're going to get some flavor in your your baked good from that item. Applesauce is going to be pretty universal. You probably won't notice that much. Something like pumpkin will obviously notice quite a bit more. Things like cake. If it is a cake that has something like baking powder, baking soda in it, then you can easily, again, swap it out with a fruit puree or a little bit more oil. Alternatively, if you're baking a cake like an angel fruit cake, like a chiffon cake, something that has no baking soda, no baking powder, that derives its leavening from the volume that you beat into eggs. Unfortunately, I don't really have a solution for you. What I would suggest is finding a recipe online. There's so many wonderful vegan recipe creators that make recipes designed for vegan cooking. So I'm sure you can find a vegan angel food cake uh, using something like aquafaba, which actually is the liquid from a can of like garbanzo beans or any other kind of bean, which can actually be whipped like egg whites. Fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I would never have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting. Aquafaba is really fun to make like a vegan meringue with because literally you drain a can of chickpeas and then with that liquid that that steamy liquid that you have left over, <laughs> you can whip and it's, and it's fairly flavor neutral and you can use it as you would a meringue. Other items you can use as a egg replacement. There are lots and lots of references online you can look it up about flaxseed but flaxseed is also a very good egg replacement but i would say for the safest route um, go for for fruit puree all right thank you so much for that ashley and and thank you all for folks who already asked questions for ashley and yeah if you have a question that you'd like me to ask ashley we can see if we can have an answer for you send me an email and say that this is for the loveland cookbook group podcast and i will pass it along to ashley and we'll see if we've got an answer for you but that's mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that that was great and as we get those in we will see if we've got good answers for you i'll ask ashley on the podcast and she will give us an answer and we'll sometimes we'll learn things about garbanzo beans and (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh and how to how to know the how tender your your steak is based on your hand that was awesome Yeah, look up like the palm trick for steak. Yeah. And then those like actual pictures that you can see. <laughs> that is um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like showing Daniel on our Zoom call. Yes. Like, this is how you test your palm. And I was I was kind of testing my palm while you're talking. <laughs> it's great for a visual medium. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wrap things up today for this podcast episode. I wanted to find out, Ashley, if you have tried any recipes. You've already mentioned one from Half Baked Harvest, but there's anything else that any cooking you've done or anything you've tried. I do have something that I have been making lately that has been surprisingly delicious. Well, it shouldn't have been surprising, but it has been very tasty. (laughs) (laughs) I can go first. I have been working very hard lately. Like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I work for Schneers. I do menu innovation there. We are going to be launching our spring menu very shortly. One of my favorite dishes on the new menu is a burrata and prosciutto toast with some hot honey drizzled over it. So I've been making hot honey a lot at my house and putting it on like everything. On pizza, it's there's nothing better than some <laughs> hot honey. That sound really pizza. good. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling Bojo's now, but they need to make their honey hot. <laughs> I would also put that on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have been dabbling in a little kind of breakfast sandwich where I've been getting jackfruit patties and Ooh. everything bagels and then frying an egg right along with frying up that jackfruit patty and then toasting the the bagel and then a little mustard and maybe slice of cheddar and then having a little kind of fake sausage breakfast bagel and it's been very good so Yum. um if anyone wants to dabble in some meatless kind of breakfast food i highly recommend trying out that combination very so many great plant-based meats these days yes yeah there there are so many and i've i've made things with like the impossible burger patties and Mm. the beyond meat sausages and things and i really it's just as good to me i i cannot Mm. there's there's not a part of me that's thinking oh if only this were the real it's just it tastes just as good to me it's just as easy to make so 
my my stamp of approval for whatever that's <laughs> worth. Not much. <laughs> All right. And before we go, I also wanted to ask you if you had been reading, watching, or listening to anything lately, Ashley, that you recommend folks might want to check out. Yeah, I actually mentioned this, I think, a couple of months ago when Virgil was on the, on the podcast that I was going to read Song of Achilles. Yes. And then I didn't read it. I was reading another book. My library loan ran out. So I was like, I'll come back to this. And so Virgil actually emailed you and I and said he had read it. Yeah. And it was so good. And I was like, oh, I got to pick that back up. <laughs> and I listened to the audiobook. I binged it. I did nothing else. I listened to nothing else. That was such an amazing story. And so now I'm, I'm listening to Circe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you also took the plunge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think it's the best book I've read, listened to in, in so long. Like, it made me feel like I was a teenager, you know, reading those books you love <laughs> as a teenager. I had been feeling that way about Song of Achilles. Yeah. After coming out of it. Yeah. And I, I also listened to that, the audiobook for the Song of Achilles. And I think she does such a, such a good job with that retelling of the Iliad. And I think it also kind of just that kind of Greek storytelling. I think it also just kind of lends itself to an audiobook. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I did the same thing where once I was in about two hours, it was like I, <laughs> I, I finished that audiobook just, I remember just kind of lying down <laughs> listening to it not doing anything else because I was so <laughs> in, so yeah. into the story. Oh, yeah. We've all become <laughs> big fans. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed Cersei a lot, too. That's she. She's just a great author. I have been reading Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. It's kind of a heist. It's a fantasy setting. Are you familiar with it or have you read? I think I've heard of it, but now I'm, I'm thinking I need to put it on my list. Because I am I love fantasy. And so, yes, I, yeah. especially if you like fantasy, I would put this one in your list. And I think I'm going to be talking about it more in an upcoming podcast episode with some of our teen librarians. But I, I think it is also a Netflix series, Shadow and Bone. I believe. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I have watched that. Okay. It yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so this, I, cause I think that that Netflix series kind of with a lot of YA, it's like the series, they, <laughs> you know, the author will write mm -hmm. three and then a prequel and then a new thing. And it's like, it, it right. gets very comp. The, the world gets very complicated. It's kind of hard to follow. Like, okay, well, what order do I read these in? I think that, as I understand it, that Shadow and Bone, I think it might be a trilogy. And then mm -hmm. the Six of Crows is kind of a different set of characters. But I think the Netflix show, they blend in these Six of Crows like Kaz and Inej. Oh, I cool. think they appear in the show. Um, mm -hmm. But in but Six of Crows is really kind of a standalone series in that same kind of universe. But it's it's very good and it's yeah it's a it's gets to be a real page turner because it is this this kind of heist they're on this mission and it's uh, it's got humor it's got danger and it's it's really fun. Very cool. I'm I'm gonna put that on my list. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that does it for this Loveland Cookbook Group episode of the Loveland Libcast. Thank you so much 
as always, Ashley, for for being on these episodes, for being our partner in these Loveland Cookbook Group podcasts and cookbook kits and our upcoming potluck on July 23rd. So thank you again, as always, for being here, being on these episodes. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And we'll be back next month with an episode for Jubilee. So that'll be the June title. And then the second Thursday in June, we will have a new recipe kit for something out of that cookbook. So you you all can look forward to that. And I will talk to you all next time on the Loveland Libcast. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.